The book of Acts was written by the same author that wrote Luke and picks up where the Gospel of Luke left off. It takes us on a journey of Jesus' followers as they were given power from the Spirit of God and shows us the beginning of the movement called The Way, which is the start of the church as we know it. In Acts, Jesus' followers were tasked with a simple goal, to spread the good news of the kingdom of God from Judea to Samaria and then to the ends of the world. Join us as we explore the book of Acts. My name is Pastor Aaron. And I'm Pastor Leon. And we'd like to welcome you to Calvary's Compass. We are picking up where we left off um, from the first episode, or should I say the last episode that we just did, um, where we talked about the descending of the Holy Spirit upon the believers in the upper room. And we talked a little bit about speaking in tongues, a little bit about the purpose of, of the Holy Spirit. We, we changing our sights on him, not as a thing, but as an actual person, as God in, in you know, spirit form. And so we're going to now move to verse 14, where it begins to talk about uh, what the Holy Spirit enables believers to do. And this is the Holy Spirit in, equipping and empowering Peter as the spokesperson uh, for this movement. And so the Holy Spirit, you're going to see Holy Spirit at work all throughout um, Peter's message and how it connects the dots from Old Testament to New Testament. So the best way to get started is we're just going to go ahead and read chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is way too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Even the servants men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders above in the heavens and signs on earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will be turned to blood red for the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That comes from Joel. Verse 22, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside of me. No wonder my heart is glad, and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave, for you have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the presence of your joy. 
dear brothers and sisters, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's descendants would sit on the throne. David was looking into the future and speaking about the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all now witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand, and the Father has, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at the right place of, of honor at my right hand, until I humble your enemies and make them a footstool under your feet. So, let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. That was Peter's message. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by our Lord God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. For those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So, we see the descending of the Holy Spirit we see Peter and the disciples are empowered. I know that was a chunk to read, but we're going to kind of just dive into what Peter's saying and how it applies to us, and then we're going to close out the chapter here in a little bit. But basically with Peter, he was given this unction to start preaching to people, and the Holy Spirit gave him words to say, to strike them to their hearts, to cut them to their hearts, to to get them to to see and realize the good gift that Jesus has given us. And so with those words, by the following of the Holy Spirit, by him following the Holy Spirit, he was able to add 3,000 people to the church. Not him, but God through him. And so that tells us believers that if we as a church and as a body, allow Holy Spirit to work and flow through us. He will give us words to say, and he will connect dots throughout the Bible and help us to recognize and realize how it's impacting today in our life. You know, um, a lot of church growth conferences, which I had used to go to them, they look at the 3,000 and they think, this is, what, this is how you grow a church. You know, you do cell groups, you meet from home to home, you do this and do that. And they create a formula of how to grow your church. But reality is what brought the growth was the gospel of Jesus, right. not the formula. And I think we as the body of Christ, specifically our leaders, and I'm one of them, you're one of them. Yep. Uh, we have to be careful not to allow our ideology to be skewed in methods more so than the gospel. Right. I think we hit on it last podcast about the gospel, but Peter Peter was preaching the gospel. And the interesting thing that he said in the last days, it indicates the church age and the church age of, of the dwelling of Holy Spirit in their life. And, and so this is the last age of the present earth, which 
corresponds with historical um, connections that ties into Joel to even uh, weaving in Daniel at some point when you read further in this part, everything's tying together. Yeah. And, and, and so when you start breaking specifics down, it says, you know, just going, jumping on verse 17 again, and we read it, just reiterating it. It says, in the last days, this is a church aid, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, sons and daughters of prophesy, young men will see visions, young men will dream dreams. This is very important when you recognize how important it is of, of visions and dreams, because you can go through the Bible and you can uh, point out various aspects of uh, of various aspects of people within the Bible having visions and having dreams. I mean, specifically, you jump to John in Revelations. He didn't know if he was up, caught up in the spirit, if he was in a vision, but he saw heaven. He saw Jesus in the throne. He saw everything that was going up in heaven. And, and you know, you know, when you when you deal with Ananias and Acts, just jumping ahead a little bit in Acts nine, he receives a vision commanding him to go heal Saul from his blindness. And Paul sees visions as well as other things. So the, these are visions of the starting of the of the of the age of the church, the Holy Spirit movement. And he's moving not just then. A lot of people believe that the Holy Spirit moved then but doesn't move today, which is incorrect because the signs still follow those that believe. And, I, and, I, and I'm telling you today that as we believe, we have to believe to receive to, that we can step forth in the prophetic realm of what God is doing in the believers. And, and that's why the, he, they put out that um, when Peter was done preaching, the church was added that day, baptizing was added 3,000 that day because the power of the gospel, Holy Spirit moving in, in and through God's people becomes a result of what happens when we hold close to the gospel of Christ. Yeah, I mean, also you can see that it, it does echo Moses' account with um, Mount Sinai. Yeah. And we, we talked about it a little bit last time, you know, with Moses, you know, he went up, received the law, the commandments, and, and it produced death. Yeah. And, and we know that in Romans it says the law produces death, but the Spirit gives life. That's Romans 8. And so, you know, we see this stark contrast now between Moses and the descending of the Holy Spirit. When God descended and gave Moses the commandments, we saw 3,000 people die. But now when we, when the Holy Spirit comes down and indwells within us, we see 3,000 people come to life. Right. And so it, it's showing us that the difference between the law of the Old Testament and the law of the New Testament, one produces life, one doesn't. And Holy Spirit enables us to be people that produce life in other people's lives, meaning we have the capability to raise the dead physically, spiritually, and emotionally. We have the power to open blind eyes physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Same thing with deaf ears. And so with Holy Spirit empowering us, it allows God, even though he is everywhere all at once, it allows him to even have physical appearances on this earth through the believers to show people the way to true life. And the way to true life is re-identified in verse 22 when he said, People of Israel, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth. 
by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. And then he goes in verse 23, but God knew that, that what would happen. And his prearranged plans was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. So now you're dealing with various laws. You're talking about the laws of Moses with the, you know, with the laws that God's established in this particular point. And then you deal with lawlessness people. And therefore, God will use the, your surroundings to carry out his purpose in fulfilling the plan of God. Thus, the power within us is not just receiving Holy Spirit, but allowing Holy Spirit to live through us, empowered by Jesus Christ. What he's done. Remember, we hit this and it keeps going over as a cycle. The same Spirit raised Christ from the dead was within us. So we are living, walking, miracle working power believers who receive the power and expel the power from our lives to touch other people to be compelled to come in to receive. And that is the ultimate point of identifying that it is Jesus. It's, everything points to Jesus. Everything points to what he has accomplished, not, not just the suffering, but the accomplishment of what he presented to mankind. Right, yeah, it's this gift. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last time. It's this free gift. Of, of God dwelling with us while we dwell with him. This co-dwelling, co-abiding, and we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, where we dwell together with God. It's not just the fact that God comes into us, it's that we go into God as well. And so the people of the Old Testament had prophesied this day. You see it in Joel, you see it with David, you see it with all the Old Testament prophets. Not just the fact that we can walk with God, but that he can actually abide in us while we abide in him. And I saw a post on Facebook, you know, it said, when we get to heaven, we'll ask Moses about how what it was like to part the Red Sea and David, at what it was like to slay the giants. But then they'll ask us, well, what is it like to have God literally living inside of you? Mm, mm. And we don't think about that. No, no. I mean, because like, like we said last podcast, we kind of disassociate Holy Spirit and we think of him as lesser than God. He's just the third person of the Trinity and, and this, that, and the other. But the the thing about it is it's, it is God. He is literally living inside of you. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells within your body. And, and so it really puts it into perspective how much authority and power we truly have yet do not access. You know, you touched on something a while back ago, whether it be on podcast or your message, please remind me when I start speaking about it. But it talked about in, in Psalms 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under yeah, the shadow. Under the shadow of the So Almighty. explain that shadow again for those who don't remember. Uh, it's an overshadowing, mm -hmm. meaning you're operating within and under his shadow. And that's why in Acts 5, Peter's shadow healed. Right. And so, so this is that indwelling. And it's not that you walk around thinking that uh, with the latest movie Shazam, that, oh, you, yeah. know, you change, you know, just like that. But there is a, there is a change. There's yeah. a transformation on the inside. And this is something that we become vessels. I mean, I like the analogy from last podcast when you use Judd, uh, Aaron Judge, when you said that, you know, I don't go up hitting home runs. I just go up hitting the ball, the ball yeah. 
and whatever happens, I'll play that that hand. Yeah. And I think that's the same principle carrying over last podcast to this podcast. I think it still lies prevalent right now because when we are in obedient to God and He dwells in us, we we release what He puts in us. Right. We carry out the things on earth as he's designed in heaven the kingdom rights of what we are yeah and what we represent right and i mean you know back to the baseball analogy let's let's go back there for those of you who watch baseball here you go but for those who don't sorry um but the thing is when you try too hard to say hit 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 baseballs you're gonna miss you're gonna miss when you try too hard and over try to overachieve you're going to miss. But when you relax and when you just continue doing what you've been practicing and and just let it become natural, second nature, that's when you hit the balls. Mm. And so when it, that's the same thing it is with Christianity. You know, we try so hard to stay on track. We try so hard to not sin. We try so hard this, that, and the other. But the reality is when you try too hard, you're going to miss. When you try too hard, you're going to fail. Yeah, I'm sorry. Interesting analogy. I was I was speaking to a waitress some time ago, and I went up and I poured myself coffee and was carrying it to the table, and I really poured it a little too full. And uh, as I was walking, the the waitress stopped me and they, that she said, "Do you notice what you've done?" I said, "I poured me some coffee." She says, "Yeah, you poured it full." She says, "But it's not that you poured it full." I said, "What's that?" She says, "Because you're so focused on not spilling the coffee, you're watching yourself that you are going to spill this coffee." She says, "If you look up and walk to your destination, the coffee won't be spilled." Right. And it's the same. I, I felt yep. that analogy yep. applies to what you're saying, because if you're so focused, hyper focused on not making a spill, you're going to spill it. Right. But if you focus on your destiny, where where you're where you're going to be, where you're going. Yeah. Then nothing gets spilled. Right. And so now relating those two things to the Christian walk, you know, when you try too hard or focus too hard on your mess ups, you're going to continue to mess up, you know. You and I, you know, and a lot of people that that we know right now, me personally, I'm I'm in a place right now where I don't even think about sin. I don't even think about when the last time was that this happened or that happened or you know, and and I think I'm better off that way because I'm not thinking about it. I'm not dwelling on it. What I'm dwelling on is Holy Spirit's inside of me, therefore he's empowering me to not sin. Right. But when, when you continue to think, I'm, I'm not going to make a mistake, I'm not going to make a mistake, I'm not going to do that, you end up doing it because that's what you're focusing on. You know, it's it's the same principle when someone does a remodel in their home and the person, like your mother and I, we are we are hands-on people when yeah. it comes to that. And, you know, not too long ago we did just a little small tweak of remodel and, you know, our house is 103 years old and so we wanted to kind of, you know, we finally got a little bit of money saved up and kind of want to apply it to a little bit of upgrade and... The crazy thing is every time we walk by a certain spot in our hallway, we always recognize the mistake. But to the average person, they don't see the mistake. The only thing that pokes out in your mom and I's mind is that was a mistake we couldn't fix. And then we constantly are self-conscious yeah. about that mistake. But in reality, it's it's only between you and the and the you know you and the wall so to speak, yeah. And and so here and here in this instance instance where it's it, you know we like you said we're focusing on all the mistakes and I'm with you. I don't focus on, you know, 
I hope I don't sin. I hope I don't do this. I hope I don't, you know, my focus is just like the waitress scenario is the destination that I'm yeah. going towards. Yeah. What is my purpose? What is my destination? Holy Spirit helps us do this. Yeah. Holy Spirit, if we focus like Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, he, as long as he had his focus on Jesus, right. he was able to walk towards the destination on the water. Right. But the moment he got his eyes off and looked at the situation is when he sank. Right. And so as we allow Holy Spirit to move in us, we can we can we are no longer focused on what I'm going to do wrong as much as we're going to focus on what can I accomplish for Him. Right. Become conduits. Yeah. Uh, for Holy Spirit to operate and move. Correct. Yeah, and and so. With Peter, he could have brought up his past mistakes and failures, yep. which would have hindered him from yep. stepping out. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, he could have brought up, he could have, you know, remembered how he denied Jesus three yep. times. That's and, right. You know, and how he basically quit the ministry for, for a while to, to to go back to fishing, and then he, Jesus appears to him on the water, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, he could have had that and... And it could have held him back, you know. And but the thing about it is, is once you're in Christ, and I talked about it last Wednesday, last Thursday, it's is once you're in Christ, your past is wiped away. Yep. Like the Egyptians in the Red Sea. Yep. You know, your past is wiped away. You don't have to focus on your past anymore. You you just focus on the task at hand. Your hardship, your mistakes, yeah, your flaws. Because you're no longer identified by your mistakes, your flaws, or anything of that nature. You're identified by what he identifies you as, which is co-heirs with Christ. Right. And that's why it was so important that Jesus restored Peter by the fire, because Peter was going to be a fire starter. And, well, I mean, he he actually check this out. He redeemed Peter where Peter right uh, denied him by the fire by the fire. Correct. Yeah, and and he redeemed creation where creation was lost in a garden. Right. You know, he's he's a restorer. Right. And 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 so in order for this global reclamation to happen, you know, we cannot be so focused on making a mistake or messing up or even our past because we have a bigger we have bigger fish to fry, so to speak. Well, I mean, no pun intended on that Literally, one because yeah. Peter was a fisherman yeah. and bigger fish. But thank you. The point, that. yeah, I got you. But the <laughs> but the point was in that restoration of fire is where Jesus said, "You're you're going to be my fire starter, and I need to confirm within you that I know you love me." And therefore, because that you recognize the love you have for me, this is what I'm asking you to do. Go feed my sheep. And so three times, three times the denial, three times the restoration. And there, therefore, notice this <laughs> three times. He res- he adds to the church 3,000. Yep. So there's that connection, 3,000. Yep. Three, 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 yep. So though your, your mistakes may to you seem like forever, but if they're just small minuscules compared to what Christ can do in your life and change and reorder, you know, like Joseph said to his brothers in Psalms 50, I mean, Genesis 50, what you meant for evil, God meant for good to save a whole nation. And that's what God does. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and turn him for your good. I mean, they even have a praise and worship song yeah. about it. But that's really reality. God, you know, those are your characters that build you. It builds your character, builds your integrity, it builds you as a child of God. So you can say, I know where I've come from, but I know where I'm going. I, I know the heading of my soul, of yeah. my, my calling, my purpose, my destiny. I mean, Romans 8, 18 says, yet 
what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Right. So there's a degree of glory that's going to come out of your your suffering, your past mistakes, your past failures. There's a glory that comes out of that, you know, and it's not glory for you. It's glory for God. And he uses what, like you said, what the enemy meant for evil and turns around for his good. And, and instead of focusing on that, we should in fact monopolize on that and say, you know what? I did it. I, you know, it was a mistake, but I'm going to use it for God's glory. I'm going to, I mean, look at David's mistake. David had a mistake. He slept with Bathsheba, though the son died. He had another son with her and through the lineage with Bathsheba came Jesus. Mm -hmm. So even your mistakes have a purpose behind it. So I mean, so you're talking about can so highlight Romans eight eighteen again because I want to connect something here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Romans eight eighteen it says the basically the the present things that we're suffering now is nothing compared to the glory that we're going to see. And and then when you jump to Second Corinthians three eighteen it says for yeah. all of us who have had veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord the yeah. Lord who is with unveiled faces right. Yeah. So so we are changed into that glorious image and that's right. so so the change doesn't happen when you're trying to do good. No, the change happens when you allow Holy Spirit to live through you. Yeah. And then the change happens. I mean, in order for Jesus to have a glorified body on the mountain, a transfiguration, which is metamorphosis, and you yeah. you breaks down that Latin word from the Greek word metamorphosis, metamorphosis, yeah. and so uh, you you get that transformation. And so we are we are in that transformation every day. We must be open for, to allow Holy Spirit to bring transformation in us by the dwelling. Yeah, and in fact, transform is the same word as transfigure right. in the Greek. And so that's why when he says be ye transformed right. by the renewing of your mind, he's actually saying be transfigured. Yes, be transcending. Change how you think. Change right. the way you perceive. See, right. change your way you understand and and make it line up with Christ right. and it's not saying well don't focus on sin you know don't focus on all your mistakes it's saying recognize them get over them so that Holy Spirit can use you as an open vessel to bring reclamation well, I mean, that, when you jump to Romans, say Romans uh, 12, 2, talks about not to be conformed by the patterns of the word, but be transformed by the renewing yeah. of your mind. Which is transfigured. That's the transfigured. Yeah. So that mind has to be renewed. That mind has to be changed. And you have to allow Holy Spirit to help you change your mind. We can't be like a knot on a log saying, you know, I'm not going to change how I think. I'm not going to change this. I, you're going to change. I'm not going to change. You know, right. I'm not. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Right. I mean, this is the generation that we're living in right now. That everybody's wrong, but not you. Everybody's got their own problems, but you don't have a problem. Why does everybody have a problem with me? Well, maybe it's because you're not allowing Holy Spirit to help transform your thoughts. And and this is still connected to indwelling. This is still connected to what Peter did. Yeah. Allowing Holy Spirit to manifest through him through words that he can speak. Even even later on, it talks about they recognize that he was an uneducated man, but there was so much power on the inside of him because the transformation happened. Right. And you, that means you don't have to have a Bible college. You don't have to be saved for 30 years or been in church 25 years. No, you just need an instant moment like Saul to, like, like Paul, like Saul to Paul. Yeah. That moment of transfiguration of, of lifestyle where, where I, you know, this is what I was. I was a murderer. Now I'm, I am a, a, a devil slayer. Yeah, you right. know, I, I now go in the power of Christ. Yep. 
Yeah. He saw the light. <laughs> Literally, yeah. And so with with that in mind, you know, we all have the ability to be transfigured on this earth. Correct. You know, we all have that ability to be transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. Mm -hmm. That's what the Bible says. And so the only way to do that, though, is through the power of Holy Spirit, by allowing him entrance into our life and by allowing him to um, remove the things that are mentally holding us back. Because now it's no more physically. There's nothing physically holding us back from accessing this. Right. I mean, before there was a veil. Now there's not a veil. Right. You know, when Jesus died, the veil was torn in two. There's no longer a veil. The only veil that we have is a mental one. It's a mental game. And if and if you, that's why it says if you can get your mind right. Right. That's why you have to be transfigured in your mind so that way your body can line up with what Holy Spirit wants to do. But you have to see yourself worthy and capable enough to do that so here's here's a thought when you add what you're speaking we just read second corinthians three eighteen. jesus removed the veil but we have to be re- be willing to remove our veil so so you understand yeah, so jesus removed the physical veil right now we have to remove our Correct. mental veil so so at that point in order for us to see and then reflect we have to be willing to remove the veil from our lives and that's where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to touch on letting go of yourself, yep. letting go of your, your past, your mistakes, your own sin, that you have to be willing to unveil your own self yeah. and accept you for you and, and, and know that it's not you that is doing it is, is Holy Spirit in you doing right. it. And that's where the miracle comes. The miracle doesn't come because you're already quit. The miracle comes because you you do not match and fit the parameters of what the calling is or what the purpose is. But the miracle comes when when the Holy Spirit comes in and and transforms you that you become the fit. Right. You become what he wants you to become in that moment that you can do whether you be on your job, driving, pumping your gas, Getting groceries, you become the fit. You are you. You might be a triangle trying to fit in a circle, but guess what? Holy Spirit transforms you to what you need to be. Paul says, "I become all things to all people." Not that he changes and compromises. It's just that he was willing to allow Holy Spirit to bring the change in him, so that he fits in where he shouldn't fit, right? In places he shouldn't be at, right? Yeah. And that's what this mental barrier does, though. It, it it prevents us from seeing ourselves as moldable, you know, and it prevents us from um, seeing ourselves as capable or worthy enough to, to do any of this stuff. And a lot of us, and I, this is, again, what I talked about on Thursday, but a lot of us have a poor perception of mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a very poor perception of ourselves because, I mean, we, we are our biggest critics. Right. Right. We are our biggest accuser. You know, the the Bible says that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, but we accuse ourselves every single Absolutely. day and condemn ourselves every single day because of our past and our mistakes. And, and so we have this very poor perception of ourselves. And Jesus, and it says so, and I think it's 2 Corinthians 8.13, it says that 
he who is rich became poor so that way you might become rich. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean physically rich, it means spiritually rich, meaning he has redeemed you and given you your allotted portion before it was due and 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 given you the ability to to be redeemed here on this earth so that you can make an impact. Right. Right. And so this poor perception prevents us from making those impacts because we limit ourselves because like I said, we don't feel worthy enough or we don't feel clean enough or we focus too much on our sins and failures or, you know, how people see us and perceive us. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, mean, my mind goes to so many passages. I mean, when you look at Ephesians 2, it talks about that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And Galatians, when you look at Galatians 2, it talks about how that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So this is that transformation that it, it really isn't you. It's not in what the abilities you have, the special qualities you think you possess. It really boils down to Holy Spirit you allowing Christ living in you, that Holy Spirit can identify with, that he can use you to be the vessel he calls you to be used at in that potential that you didn't think you possess because you don't. Holy Spirit possesses it in you. You become the conduit to become more. You just have to take a step of faith to believe, to receive. But then from that point forward, you now yield yourself to become obedient to the leading of God by the indwelling of Holy Spirit, by you dwelling with God in those times. Yes. And so at first, I don't think it is you, right? Mm -mm. But then it becomes second nature. Yeah. And and I think that's where we, we do draw the line. It's that... It's not the old you. It's not the old you, but it is the new you. Now, there's things you develop as you grow in Christ. There's skills. I mean, from any job you take on, you may not be fully skilled for the job. You may have qualifications, but the skill comes in when you become it, when it becomes applicable to do the job. You learn the skill on the job. And once you learn the skill on the job, on the job training, so to speak, you gain that skill. And I think there's things in the Christian walk, skills you gain through your walk in Christ. But there are various other things you haven't gained yet that's still a walk of faith. Right. You know, it yes, my heart still beats heavy when I want it when God tells me to go pray for somebody outside the church. Yes, my heart pounds pretty fast when he told when he tells tells me to go speak a word to somebody. And he does. And I do it, but I'm scared crazy sometimes, but that's still that step of faith. That's the human nature inside of us. You would think, well, you're a preacher. You should be willing to do it anytime. I'm a human being, but I need the power of Holy Spirit to empower me to do something that I know I'm not capable of doing. But because of him, he makes me able to do the things I cannot do. Yeah, I was going to say, but the thing is, you are capable of doing it. Right. Well, I'm talking, I'm talking, identifying with how people feel. Right. But that's, but that's, I think that's, that's the core, right? You know, and that's still the poor perception of self. Correct. You know, and, and once you understand this re-identification process that God has taken you through, you realize, wait a minute, I can do all things Things through through Christ. Christ who strengthens me. Correct. You know, and it's. I can do those things. Mm-hmm. It's not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Right. So I, my life is because of Christ. But it still involves you, and I think I think that's that that's where people get confused. You know, it is God, but it's also Him working with 
you and within you, it takes obedience Correct. to do that. I was going to say, you have to have be in cooperation with right. the Holy Spirit's move. Right, so he can be in you, but you can not be obedient to the hearing of what he wants to do, which would make, you know, it nothing happen. Well, you grieve the you grieve Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about do not grieve Holy Spirit, but you grieve Holy Spirit when you reject obedience right. in your lifestyle and, and everything. Right. And so with that being said, you know, it is an I can do all things through Christ in scenario with anything. Um it is you that's doing it because you're working together with Christ to achieve that. It's not just you. It's not just God. It's both of you together working with one mind, one accord. And that's part of that trans- transformation. Right. The transfiguration in scriptural. Yeah. That that you merge into one entity. I mean, it's like a husband and wife. They newlyweds get married, but, you, you know, there's that blending together of two lifestyles into one lifestyle, two personalities into one personality there's a more metamorphosis that happens and it takes time. But the more you spend time with the other yeah. person, the more you change and they change. Yeah. I can say today my that your mom, my wife, uh, we, we, our roles have flip flop, you know, um, you know, I was more of the easy going and, and she was more of the aggressive person. And now um, I'm more of the aggressive person and she's more of the easy going. Our roles flip flop. But a lot of times we meet in the middle and a lot of things we do, we balance each other out. And I think that walk with God through Holy Spirit helps you walk a balanced life. You don't have to worry about, you know, it's like uh, Weight Watchers and or you're counting your calories. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You go, oh, I, have to, I want to get this much calories. If I eat this, 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 I'm allowed this much calories. And that's not a salvational walk. No. And that's how we perceive it. That's where that perception comes in. We perceive, well, I'm only allowed this much, and I can't do that. I don't want to go so far. Right. And, yeah. and, and you, we limit so much by looking at, at the coffee yeah. instead of looking at the table right. where you're trying to go. Right. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And we think of it as a diet, not a lifestyle, so Correct. to speak. Yeah. It's a lifestyle change. It's a lifestyle transformation. And 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 I think, I think it all boils down to, you know— we have been taught, you know, this very linear uh, Christianity where you, you t- step one, two, three, then you're good. You know, you come, you come in, you repent of your sins, you ask God to come into your heart, and then you go to church for the rest of your life and you get to heaven, right? That's not what it's all about. It's about us being transformed every single day more and more into his image and likeness and us bringing the world to global reclamation and reconciliation with God. And so that happens, but here's the thing, it's going to take time. It's going to take generations to get instilled with this teaching in order for the whole world to be filled with his glory. And so we have to not see it as, you know, I'm running a marathon, but I think we talked about this, but it's I'm passing the baton to the next generation to take it further. So we have to correct our thinking and theology and saying, well, Jesus is coming back soon. Well, we don't, in fact, know that. We, we know that he's coming back. Soon to him is not a relative term. <laughs> no. You know, soon can be a couple days for us, or it could be 6,000 years from now. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to be in this thing for the long haul. Well, I mean, you, you said it earlier in this podcast where <laughs> you said, you know, 
um, you know, the earth um, was fell fell in the garden and it was restored in the garden. But notice that in the gardens where God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and that's still our job today. Yeah. Not that we be fruitful and multiply our having children, but we are fruitful, multiplying and spreading and covering the earth with, with his, his glory. glory. And I think that's where our mindset has to be. And the glory is holy. I mean, why do you think Holy Spirit is? Why do you think people lived back in the Old Testament over 900 years old? You know, because they understood that they're in this thing for the long haul. Yep. Yep. You know, they're in this thing for the long haul. And and they they need to make a lasting impact that's going to impact the next generation properly. And so I'm not saying that we're going to sit here and live to be 900 years old because I don't know if I necessarily I if I want, want to do that. that <laughs> right? Whatever God's will be done, but not 900, please. And so, you know, um, we have to be so... we. Uh, we as a culture of Christians have been so focused on just getting to heaven that we have not, that we have improperly passed on to the next generation the goal. Yeah. And so we're here as a voice in the wilderness crying out, trying to fix what has been wronged and say, you know, no matter however long it takes, this earth is going to be filled with God's glory, whether it takes two years, 20 years, 200 or 2000 years. And so when we start teaching that to the next generation, that's when tr true change is going to happen. Well, I mean, think about generation. You, you mentioned, you know, that they lived 900 years. Adam lived 930 years. Yeah. Out of that 930 years, Enoch lived and knew Adam. Yeah. 298 of those 930 years. Yeah. So that's that generational impartation from generation to generation. Yeah. You know, and, and and from that time, um, you know, it was 57 years after Adam's death when Enoch realized that he needed to walk with God. Yep. And which was from that point, it just, I mean, you start breaking down numbers <laughs> and various things. I mean, you're, you're dealing with, this is why this covering earth, using the Holy Spirit through us, manifesting through us. We're, we're impacting generations. And this is why we cover the earth with the glory of God through Holy Spirit, because there are, there are generations we have to impact. There, And it's not just, you know, unfortunately our society lives for the now. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the society, we can't, we, a lot of, some of, some of the younger generation can't think about 10 years down the road. They only think about, okay, what about, what, what can I get right now? What about me? How I feel now, how I'm living right now? What does it right now feel like? But reality, the older you live, the longer you live, you're not only not only thinking about the now, but you're thinking about what happens five years down from now, 10 years from now, 20 years. And that's why, you know, this is a crucial thing, because one generation, the father helps the next generation, the son. And this is where the fathers and the sons come back together. The Bible talks about they merge them back together. Yeah. Fathers, fathers, the heads turn to the son or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, this is that generational crossing yeah, the crossover, and this is where we continue to implore each generation to turn to God, to turn to Holy Spirit, to be yielded to the moving of God, the moving of Holy Spirit in our lives, and to teach by example. We don't. I, I, it's a. It was a. It's been a sad day when a lot of the older generation, you know, has gone on to be with the Lord because we are missing impartation the way it needs to. There are things that I remember growing up younger than you that I remember seeing, hearing, and hearing the older generation talk about, but they're dead and gone. 
and 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 now you know it's on my shoulders and now it's on your shoulders and there's a movement that has to happen and this is where I, i'm feeling holy spirit on this thing there's a movement that has to happen. There's a generation that do not know God. And heaven forbid, remember in the Bible when it, God points out that there is a generation that does not know God, a king that does not know God. We don't know God the way they know God yet. And there are still things we have yet to have fathomed to break open to know him. And that's where that dwelling comes in. When we come to know the Father, we come and we fellowship with Holy Spirit to the Father. And He connects us and changes us from the inside out. And we're not worried about spilling the coffee, but we're concerned about the destination where we're heading to. And we're concerned to teach others to look towards destiny. That's on the inside of them that God wants to break open and birth it through every generation. And Holy Spirit does that. And Peter was able to do that and influence 3,000 people. And this is not about church growth. This is about spreading the good news, Jesus. Yeah. Empowered by Holy Spirit to do that. Yep. And so, like, I think, you know, we've lost our focus. We've been more focused on getting the next generation to heaven instead of getting the heaven into this earth. You know, right. And, and, And we know we've been talking about this for months now, you know. And so... With that being said, we have to start instilling into the next generation the power and authority that we have and and, and, and the capabilities that we can do through Christ who strengthens us and, and show them that we can actually bring transformation to the world, to the cosmos, to everything right. that's been created, because that's what he's equipping us to do. Right. Instead of letting this earth, you know, be destroyed, you know, we have to restore it. We have right. to bring God into this earth. You know, it doesn't have to be look like the way it's looking right now. It doesn't have to. But we have been improperly taught and and we're improperly teaching our children. And what's it going to look like in 30 years? If we as the church today do not catch the vision, because, you know, Bible's, you know, <laughs> Peter preached this and talked about it from Joel in the last days. I report my spirit and talks about old man and, and young man dreams and visions. If we're not going to catch dreams and visions in this generation, the next generation is not going to know. And, and this is why we're seeing churches decreasing. This is why I say America is the mission field, <laughs> because it's we're, our, we're, our sights on other things, Pastor Aaron. And we're, we're looking towards other places to fill in the voids and to find excuses why we are the way we are. And, and God just wants the body, the church, to focus on him and let him transform us that we can transform the generations around us. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, the thing about it is it's, you know, and we're going to, we're going to read this next part, but it's, it's building, it's building a community, building a fellowship, building believers up in the faith. Right. And, and, you know, it says verse 42, after the 3000 came in, all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to, uh, and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with all of those in need. 
They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with, with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So what's that saying, you know? It's not saying, oh, we we're saved now, we just, you know, sit back until the Lord comes. It's no, it's it's growing together. It's it's expanding the kingdom. It's it's operating with love and compassion and 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 instilling into the next generation the knowledge that we have so that they can take it further than we have until the whole earth is filled with his glory. Right. Running that's the, race, the goal. Finishing the course. Right. That's the goal. That's that's the purpose of of this whole Christianity thing. It's not again, it's not to to escape eternal torment or or um, you know, to get our mansion in heaven, which we know that's not the case. <laughs> it's not a real mansion. You know, it's to reclaim that which was lost and reconcile everything to back to God. It's to put his identity mm. back on this earth and fill it with his glory. That's the purpose. And so with that being said, you know, we as a body now have an obligation to God. And, and what is that? It is to spread his glory and how do we do that by allowing holy spirit to work through us and and to show people you know who god is let the holy spirit speak through us let him let him empower our words so that it cuts to their hearts not to get them to stop sinning but to get them to realize who they are and whose they are and what they're redeemed to be we want to thank you for tuning in to Calvary's Compass this week. If you like what you heard, check us out on Facebook, Mount Calvary Church of God. Also, check out our website, mountcalvarycog.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. God bless, and we'll see you next week. See you.